The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new edition of The Chris Sheeran Show. Chris Sheeran here, Doug Williams right there. Uh, Dougie, thank you once again for joining us here. Of course. My pleasure. I know you wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it for the world. If Doug wasn't here, it wouldn't be happening. So uh, I have to thank him every time we come on. Uh, Lots of things to get to here. We have the Stanley Cup Finals going on. Rangers find themselves in an 0-2 hole, and we'll talk about that. LeBron James and the Miami Heat, they got back into their series. uh, Tied at one apiece. You can pretty much figure out when we're taping this. (laughs) So uh, that's going on. And the Yankees, uh, pretty much their offense has taken a dirt nap. Um, And you could say what you want about the New York Yankees and Mark Teixeira and Carlos Beltran being out for an extended period of time. But even without those two, and I know they're big losses, but even without those two people in the lineup, this is still a pretty potent lineup that the Yankees, they shouldn't be averaging two and a half runs over their past 10 games. And now you have Beltran and Teixeira back, and this is happening. So we're going to touch on all these things, but First, I think we, we should we should start with the Rangers in in, in the finals, and I I don't know about you, and you could tell me about your experiences with these two games, but the emotional roller coaster that this team has put you on the past two games, nay, the entire Stanley Cup run, I'm surprised some Ranger fans are still healthy. In good health, because this has been one of those runs where you never know what's going to happen. It's never easy. That Canadians game six, they win one nothing. The Flyers, they could wrap it up down in Philly in game six. No, they lose. And they don't, not only lose, they lose bad. And it comes back to the Garden for a game seven. Then they're down 3-1 to the Penguins. And you think, well, let's get out the golf clubs again. And they come back and beat the mighty, mighty Penguins, and then they clean house. So all postseason long, it's been like this. But these two, Doug, these two hurt the worst. Because as we were talking about in the elevator coming up and as everybody's talked about in social media, not breaking news here, but to not trail in regulation and come out of L.A. without one win, it's tough. But all these people saying – that the Rangers, I don't know how they're going to come back. I don't, I don't know if they could come back from these just soulful losses. You know, it just goes, cuts right through the soul. I don't know how they're even going to compete. How could you even say that? This is the Stanley Cup final. You know, I just picture being a fly in the Rangers locker room and hearing Brian Boyle talking to Brad Richards. Well, it was a good run, you know. Well, you know, we're down 2 nothing. We might as well. Well, we're home. Uh, let's give the fans a little something, and we'll just we'll get swept. Really? You really think that's what's going on in this Ranger locker room? And they were tough and brutal losses, Doug. But at the same time, the mighty, mighty kings that everybody's talking about, the Rangers have been right with them, skate for skate in these two games. And that's the positive thinking you need to have as a Ranger fan right And now. at times, Chris, they've been better than them. I mean, they've yeah. shown at, at, in certain periods in particular that they are the better team. And, of course, like you said, they just haven't led the, – the Kings have not led a second in regulation. Yeah. It's just so frustrating. And, you know, the one thing I sometimes say about these series is home ice. Is it really that much of an advantage? Because if the Kings had lost a game, they lose home ice, and then you go to New York. See, you're not in trouble. This is what people say about seven-game series – 
you're not in trouble until you lose on your home ice or home field. And so the Rangers weren't necessarily expected to win a game in L.A., and now that they haven't, people are shocked. Well, the only reason people are shocked, Chris, is because of how close these games were. If the Rangers had lost 3 nothing and 4 nothing in the first two games, people would be saying, well, then you could LA. start saying, right. yeah, then you they could start saying that. Clearly weren't as good as the Kings were, definitely weren't as good as the Kings were on their home ice. But you know what? The, the Rangers went out to L.A. and proved that they could skate with the Kings right. and compete with them. Better. <laughs> and now the Rangers are coming back to the Garden. You have to think it's possible that they'll win both games on home ice. And, it's, all, and, it's all about holding serve. That's all it is. Yes, exactly. And Bingo got, just said that uh, in a press I conference. I did not know you that. Know, he no, I did not know that. Words. He goes, we I, have to hold serve, yeah. and we know that. You come back home, and you protect your home ice. You've got one of the best goalies in the world – between the pipes in Henrik Lundqvist, and how many times in either a game-clinching game or a game where the Rangers are going to be kicked out of the playoffs, has he come up huge? This team was down 3-1 to the Penguins. You know, I think we got a little spoiled against the Canadians, A, with Carey Price getting you know injured and, and not being able to play the rest of the series early on in that one, and the Rangers taking both games in Montreal. You know, people expect, you know, fine, they needed a split, whatever. Why did they need a split? Now, if they go down three zip, the series, in my estimation, hockey, it's never over until the other team has won the fourth game. Exactly. I don't care how many teams in the history of the league have never come back from this or haven't come back from that. Teams don't think about that. If you thought about that as a professional athlete, hang them up. Because you need to be doing something else. If that's the kind of attitude, if that's your defeatist attitude, where you're sitting in that Rangers locker room right now saying, well, we're down 2 nothing, and it's over. There's no way we can come back. No, there's no way they're thinking about that. Were those losses brutal? Yes. You think guys in that locker room haven't been through brutal losses before in their careers? Have you been a Ranger fan long? <laughs> well, Chris, here's what I'll say to you and Rangers fans. Remember this. The Kings were down three games to none in the first round of this playoffs. To the Sharks. To the Sharks. They looked like they were totally helpless. Done. Done. They I mean, they looked yeah. like they had no place in the playoffs. Right. Three nothing. They came back, and they won the series, and now look where they are. It's possible, Ranger fans, that if you lose tonight, it is still a series. It's not inconceivable. I believe that now, in my heart. Do you I do. Not, you don't want to be in that position because you're one closer to losing. Right. But it's not over until the team wins four games. That's You're not flatlined yet. Until until you look on a box score and see four to something, you still have a little blip. You're still alive. Just like this audio meter I'm looking at with me and Doug doing the podcast. Gives us audio waves when we talk. There's still something there. And there's still something there for the Rangers. Now look, game three tonight. It, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not big. It's jihugic. I just invented a word to describe what tonight is. It is. You can't get around that. But I truly believe, and I'm, you know, I used to be one of the most pessimistic New York fans. It, it's just, it, it, you grow up with it. You do. Because you were devastated, and you are devastated so many times. Unless you're a Yankee fan, then, you know, basically, you, you have a 95% chance if you get to a title, you're going to win it. <laughs> Other than that, though, you know, the Giants, eh, they only have one Super Bowl loss. 
You could say that, I guess, about the Giants. But then the Giants win a Super Bowl, and then they don't make the playoffs for the next five years. Jerry Reese, are you listening? Hello? Let's get back to the playoffs this year. But the New York Rangers, there's been so much heartache with this team. I'm not satisfied, and I know you're not satisfied with just getting there. And you know who else isn't satisfied with just getting there? The guys in that locker room. Marty St. Louis. Think he's satisfied with just getting to a cup final? And I said this on Facebook, and I'll say it again here. Those of you who are my friends on Facebook saw this already, and I apologize. This team, and Don LaGreca has said this too, this team just seems to be like a team destined to win a title. Just the way things have happened throughout the season, throughout the postseason, this team reminds me, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but this team reminds me of the 96 Yankees. It does. A great mix, veterans, youngsters, all coming together. Think of Henrik Lundqvist as the back end of the bullpen with Mariano and Wetland. They lost the first two games to the Braves, and they were awful losses. Awful. Yankee fans, including myself, didn't think there was any shot of them winning that series. Down to zip. And what happens? I could still hear Joe Buck. They sweep Atlanta in Atlanta, and it's going back to New York. And Jolton Joe Girardio hits the triple. That shook the entire Bronx. And the Yankees win in six. I'm not saying it's going to happen the same way. I'm just saying I see a lot of similarities between the 96 Yankees and the 2014 Rangers. Now, I hope, dare I say I pray, Hail Mary full of grace, put the puck in the right place, get one tonight, and we'll see you for game four back at the Garden, and maybe we hold serve. Yeah, and and the one thing I will say that... that I mean, let, let's not lie to ourselves, Chris. We are both huge Rangers fans, so we can't pretend to be sit here and be objective. Here's the one problem. <laughs> the one problem with destiny in hockey. This sport is so fast. It depends so much on bounces. I mean, and some of them have gone the Rangers' way, and some of them have gone the Kings' way so far. Most of them have gone the Kings' way. But you just, it, in terms of destiny, I, have, I totally agree with you. It seems like the Rangers are a team of destiny. But in hockey, you are a bounce away at any point of that destiny just going out the door. I was worried about this happening in, in the Canadian series. They had so much magic coming into that. And I said, if they go to Montreal and just get totally just crushed, that magic's out the door. I don't think it's out the door now against the Kings. you got to win at home. But let's just remember that, that more important than destiny is game play, is showing up at, on the ice. And, and if the Rangers come home tonight expecting to win on their home ice, which won't happen, but if it were to happen, then you forget about destiny. you got to go out there and put the puck in the net or and, and get three goal leads, by the way. Let's, let's, let's stop fooling around with the two goal leads because we, we seem to, to, to light up a little bit after we get those. Get a three goal lead, put them away. And let's get this, and stop, this, this truck back on the road. Stop with the the cross ice passes in your own zone to the middle of the ice. It seems like Williams is there every time with his stick on the ice, stopping a stupid pass. Stop with the turnovers. 
please. It's all I'm asking. Play fundamentally sound hockey. Get a lead and don't be sloppy. They've been extremely sloppy when they've had those two goal leads, and that needs to stop. And and Hank, he's been unbelievable. You know, that game two and game one, they don't even get to overtime without that guy between the pipes. All right, let's move on. NBA Finals. We 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 saw Saunagate oh, in in game one, uh, which didn't really seem to hurt the Spurs too much, by the way. Um, and if they didn't turn the ball over twenty two times in that game one, that could have been a thirty point win for San Antonio. So you know, listen, the people getting on LeBron. If you think I'm going to start by getting on LeBron's case for coming out of the game with cramps, I'm not. I guess I'm in the minority with that. And the only example I can give you, have you ever been sleeping and you flex your foot the wrong way and you get that calf cramp? You can't walk the entire next day. The entire next day. That's how much it hurts. So if LeBron's body locked up with cramps, oh, he gets carried off the court. Yes. (laughs) You can't move. And he wanted to come back in the game, and Spolster said no. The training staff and his head coach told him no. See, this is a weird thing with LeBron, Doug. With me, personally, I hate the guy. He's the best player on the planet. On the planet. There's no one better at basketball than LeBron James. Unless there's someone hiding in some third world country that can hoop and we don't know about him. LeBron James is the best basketball player on the planet. And for people to get on him, I get it because they hate him. But you have to respect the guy. And in my case, it was like my quote-unquote relationship with Michael Jordan. He killed my team growing up. Killed them. On a game-by-game basis. He prevented Patrick Ewing basically from winning an NBA title. He did. That Bulls team was unbelievable. And God, if you were a Knicks fan, you hated the Bulls. And you hated Michael Jordan even more. But to sit there and be able to have watched Michael Jordan play the game of basketball was unbelievable. And I would sign up anywhere to see him do it again in his prime. LeBron James is that good. And the comparisons, I think, are they are not fair. They're not fair. They're different types of players. They really are. But this is what it all stems from, in my opinion, and you help me out here. I think most of the haters out there with LeBron are because of the drenching coverage we get of this guy. And I get that to an extent. I'm on the Stairmaster at the gym an hour ago watching SportsCenter. If you did a shot, and I put it on Facebook, you know, we used to play drinking games. With the Osborne show, every time someone dropped an F-bomb, you would take a shot. By the end of the show, you were annihilated. If you saw LeBron James, his picture, a graphic, or heard the name LeBron on SportsCenter, and you did a shot every time that happened, good night. (laughs) You're not getting off the couch, and you're going to have a hell of a hangover the next day. I get it. The, The coverage is saturating. But I get it to an extent with ESPN. The guy is the best player on the planet. 
Okay? But at the same time, do we need 35 to 40 minutes of a sports center spent on everything LeBron? I think that's where a lot of the hatred comes from. I do. Yeah, I think you're right. And, Chris, I'll ask you this. Do you think there's ever been a player who everyone knew was so great who still, on a NBA Finals game-by-game basis, had a reputation that it was as up for grabs as LeBron? He has won back-to-back titles. Mm -hmm. It's been to three straight. Mm -hmm. And yet... Four straight. Four straight. And yet... Somehow, after cramping up an injury, an injury, he didn't just not feel like playing anymore. He was hurt. After cramping up, people didn't just thought he's not clutch. He is just you can't you can't count on LeBron in the finals. Do you, do do you it. liken it kind of to to an Alex Rodriguez situation? Yeah, a little bit. Like a lightning rod. Like he's the lightning bit. rod in baseball. No matter what he does, it's, he it's negative. He is polarizing, and uh, everything he does is under a microscope. All of those things are true, but it's just unbelievable to me that that his reputation is still up for grabs. It's as if he's wondering. I'm going to keep getting these titles. When am I going to be able to solidify things here? When am I going to be able to have an injury and not be looked at as a, as a coward for being removed off the court? Now, I'm the first person to, to, to make the, the, the comparison between Derek Stepan and LeBron James. That's me personally. I just happen to think hockey is a tougher sport than basketball, and the athletes who play hockey are tougher than the athletes that play the NBA. Oh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But, right. But you're not skating anywhere with cramps in your legs. Right. You're no, not. No, no, no. <laughs> you're Those just not. Those kind of cramps, and, and NBA players play hard, LeBron especially. Yeah. Those kind of cramps aren't just an excuse to sit on the bench. They're real injuries. They're just not a muscle tear, you know? Because it doesn't have a long effect on someone's body, I think people are kind of not taking cramps seriously. If you've ever had one, you know they're extremely Exactly. Painful. They are. You know, they wake you up from a dead sleep, and, and then you can't walk the next day. And those are the only ones I've had. I, I'm not an elite professional athlete. You know, I've never been put in that situation where I had to, you know, um, exert myself in 100-degree temperatures in an arena when it's supposed to be like 70 Um but like I said at the beginning, it, it didn't hurt the San Antonio Spurs. That series is tied at one. It heads back to Miami. I, I am rooting hardcore for the Spurs. I, I just – I don't know. It, it's just – that team in Miami, it, it, it's an all-star team. Uh, you know. And I, I've rooted for the underdog my entire life. And for personal selfish reasons, I just don't want to see Pat Riley make any money on three-peat apparel, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, but uh, listen, do I think San Antonio has a shot? I think they have a great shot. You know, maybe they split down in Miami. Maybe this one goes seven. Maybe this is an epic NBA finals battle and it goes seven. And, uh, hopefully, uh, the seesaw will be in San Antonio's favor when all comes to to an end. But LeBron James, you got to get off the guy's case. It's never going to happen because there's too much coverage of the guy. And to be fair, he puts himself in these situations too. That whole decision nonsense, which he came out with and said, yeah, that was probably the wrong thing to do. But he says a lot of things and he gets himself into hot water a lot too. Uh, so it's not just the media. He, it's his own fault at times as well. All right, Dougie, let's move on to the Yankees and, and their lack of offense. You know, you go from talking about a guy who all he is is offense in LeBron James. Uh, to to a team right now that has a solid lineup, as I mentioned at the beginning, 
Uh, but they're just – they're not producing. Their last 10 games, they've won three, okay? Three wins in their last 10. They've gotten to Shara back. They've gotten Beltron back. They're averaging two and a half runs a game. They just lost to the Kansas City Royals 2-1. They had the bases loaded with nobody out in the top of the second against James Shields. Not one run crossed the plate. Hiroki Kuroda pitches seven innings, gives up two runs, and Dougie, it was just that second inning. He gave up four straight base hits after getting the first two outs of the inning. He gives up two runs over seven, five hits total. He retired the last 16 batters he faced and gets a loss. Now, the starters were supposed to be the problem on this team. You lose Ivan Nova probably till the middle of next year, if not, you know, August of next year with the Tommy John. You lose Michael Pineda first with the suspension, then with the lat muscle. Now he's on the 60-day. Who knows what he's who knows what he is? Then CeCe Sabathia, it's not his elbow, it's his knee. And he gets the stem cell. So three-fifths of your opening day rotation, bye-bye, sayonara, farewell, gone. So at that point, as a Yankee fan, you're saying, well, you know, if we don't have pitching, what's, what's the sense? You know, why are we even watching? But since CC Sabathia has been placed on the DL back to May 11th, the starters haven't been the problem. I did a little figuring here, and now Doug and I are going to have a little fun. I am going to give I'm going to give Doug the numbers of the pitchers and he's going to give me the pitcher. Now I'm going to give you the layup first, obviously. So these are these are difficult, right? That's the point of this. It's it's not what? hard. I mean, it's not easy. Yeah, well, the guess. first one is easy. Okay. All right. So I'll I'll get the easy one out of the way. 5 starts, 4 and 1, 126 ERA, 5 quality starts out of those 5 starts. Two games with no runs, two games allowing one run, one game he allowed three runs, and the answer is? Tanakh. Yes, correct. Five starts, 1-0, and oh, the team is 4-1, 2-4-2 ERA, one quality start, no runs once, one run twice, three runs once, two runs once. The answer is? Whitley. Yes, correct. Two for He's two. Been great. Just hasn't given them a ton of length. Right. The quality start. The quality start, start, thing start gave it up. was, yes. Yep. I was going to say that I shouldn't have said that, but good. Good job. <laughs> um, five starts, 0 and 2, 520, two quality, never more than five runs once. The answer is Phelps. Close. Kuroda. No. Nunya. Yes. Oh, wow. That's tough because. You that could have he... gone either way. That could have been Phelps, or that could have been Nuno, and it was Nuno. All right, okay. now the last two. Six starts, one and four, five, seven, one ERA, one quality starts, 13 earned in his last two. Nuno. No, Nuno. no, that was just, you got Nuno. Oh, wait, I'm confused now. No, you said Phelps for the last one. Right. But then you said Nuno, and you were correct. Okay, so this is Phelps. Yes, Phelps. that's Phelps. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. And the last one's Kuroda. Six starts, two and one, 375 ERA, three quality starts, never more than four runs once. He gave up four. So then I did some more figuring. These guys have made 27 starts since CC went down. 160 innings. They gave up 65 earned runs. That's a 366 ERA since CC Sabathia hit the bricks. 
And you're talking about Tanaka, who's a men's a men's rookie. Um, Chase Whitley, who's in his first year in the bigs. And Vidal Nuno and David Phelps. You're talking basically four-fifths of this rotation have limited to no experience in the majors. And they're, and they're holding the Yankees above water. Where's the offense? <laughs> you know, last year they had an excuse, Doug. They did. Because the offense, I mean, you had a lot of 4A guys in the lineup on a day-in, day-out basis. This team doesn't have that problem. You have Ellsbury. You have Gardner. You have Jeter. You have Brian Roberts. You have Brian McCann. I mean, five right there. Jan Hervis Solarte, who's having a breakout season, and on the first team, he's made at a training camp. The offense is there. But the Yankees are just not getting runs. They're not putting hits back to back. I just I don't understand it. When CeCe went on the DL, I just, you know, I'm usually the beacon of hope for this team. Because since 1996, they have known how to win. Even before that. I mean, go back to 94 when they had the best record in the AL East. Then they went on strike. And in 95, of course, Mattingly's last year, they lose to the – they lose in the wild card round. I'll never forget Mattingly punching the turf in Toronto when they clinched that playoff spot. Starting his career in 82, right after they lost to the Dodgers in 81. And finally he makes the playoffs in 95. But anyway, I digress. I just – I get the frustration amongst Yankee fans on Twitter. I, I can't I can't even get on their case. I can't. Because that same frustration is flowing through my body. You know, and it's gotta be frustrating for the pitchers as well. Because the bullpen comes in, they're being asked that A series comes to mind. How many times did they have a one run lead late in that game? That there was a stretch, I think of five games where the Yankees were outscored 18-0 from the seventh inning on. You know, when you're coming in, I know it's their job out of the bullpen to hold the lead, but one-run leads over and over and over again, that's tough. Yeah. And when you don't have Mariano Rivera back there, it's even tougher, Doug. I mean, you have to get this offense going and getting these guys. See, it's all cyclical in baseball. The, the pitching gets the offense confidence. The often offense breeds confidence into the pitchers. You go out there, you're Hiroki Kuroda. You go out there with a five-run lead. You're anybody in this rotation. You go out there with a five-run lead. Here, hit it. You know, when you're out there walking on eggshells, when your offense has put up one run, and you're like, well, if I make another mistake, this game's over. Just talked about this with Al Leiter on the BP show. You know, mentally, physically out there as a pitcher, you're just out there doing your job. And, and according to everything you studied, the the uh, scouting reports and everything, it, it's all just in line. It doesn't matter who you're facing. But even he admitted if he was going up against the other team's ace, he knew he couldn't make a mistake. And mentally, that destroys you as a pitcher. Yep. This is coming from Al Leiter. This is not coming from me. You know, and, and for the Yankees – to be more successful, Captain Obvious speaking, the offense has to support these guys more. You've got two guys, one of them a rookie in his first year in the majors, both from Japan. And where would the Yankees be without this guy? Where would the Yankees be without the country of Japan? You know, 
Buster Olney tweeted something right after Tanaka's last start. The Yankees are 10-2 and two with him on the mound, 20-27 and 27 at that point without him on the mound. Without this guy, they're nowhere near a playoff spot. Nowhere near one. And I'll admit, I was one of the guys who was saying, hey, we shouldn't you know, be giving this guy all this money. If they didn't, the Yankees would be an afterthought already. An afterthought. And right now, I, I have to cop to this too. In fact, we both have to. We pretty much kicked dirt on the Blue Jays <laughs> about three weeks ago. And ever since then, they don't lose. It seems like they're finally starting to put it together up there in Toronto. You know why? Because they score a ton of runs, Chris. And you know what is funny? Right, because, b- right behind uh, Oakland. You always say that you can't predict baseball. Well, that's about specific things. You know, is this pitcher going to win 20 games? Is he going to hit 30 home runs? Who's going to win the World Series? That Those are tough predictions. Those are very specific. But to say at the beginning of the season that the Yankees' offense would score a lot of runs, that's a pretty safe prediction. Solid. Because it's going to come over 162 games. It's not a specific prediction. We're now all being put to shame because the Yankees' offense looks a little – what's the word you would use to describe it? It's like – Stagnant? Yes. It's stagnant. It's also coming up unclutch at very important times. One for 17 yeah. with runners in scoring position in it's that 2-1 loss it's to the Royals? Guys, you, when, you, when you sign guys to big contracts, you want them to get off to good starts so that they can kind of – ease themselves in. They're not worried about being a bust right away. It's as if these guys are still pressing. We only, we, we're, we're 100 games away from the end of the regular season. They really, Brian McCann especially, Carlos Beltran missed time with an injury. These guys seem like they're still getting their footing. And Jacoby Ellsbury went through such a bad slump. I forgot Ellsbury when I was bringing up the lineup. Right. That's six guys. <laughs> they, he went through such a bad slump that you don't know what's going on in his head now. It looks like they're all thinking too much. Go out there, just Put the ball in play, get some hits, put some runs together. They need a hot streak. Have we seen the Yankees really go off on a no, hot streak? Yet absolutely this year? not. They, they've had four game winning streaks, but they're followed by three to five game losing streaks. And how about the fact that Chase Whitley, a recovered relief pitcher, a guy who still throws out of the stretch, has arguably been in the last five or six starts the Yankees' second best pitcher behind yeah, Tanaka? Yeah, behind Tanaka. Hey, you got to throw Corona in the mix there, too. But yeah, his second best pitcher. You cannot have a guy like Kuroda, who's 39, by the way. You know, it's just that wily veteran pitcher. You saw it with Andy Pettit all the time with Andy Pettit. Didn't, doesn't throw hard. You don't have to throw hard. You have to know how to pitch. And Kuroda knows how to pitch. And for him to go out there and retire the last 16 guys he faced and to give up just two runs – and the Yankees walking off that field, losers in Kansas City, and having to win the game, the last game of the series, to get a split against the Royals? Where are we right now? Seriously. With this lineup. You have to sit there and scratch your head. And and usually I'd get on, like I said, I'd get on the fans on Twitter for being pessimistic, but I can't get on them. They're 100% right. They this this lineup as it's constructed is exponentially better than what they put on the field last year. And even that lineup scored runs. You know, where have you gone, Lyle Overbay? <laughs> that that guy was clutched to the fullest. 
He's in, he's in, he's Milwaukee, in he's Milwaukee getting clutch hits, yes, by the way, yes, in case you're wondering. Is. This is Mark Reynolds. The Brewers, who are off to a great start to the season. But it, it just – this point in New York sports – and by the way, get better, Brielle, uh, Breezy, our receptionist. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. And we got we to gotta send some good juju to the Rangers and to Breezy. Um, and hopefully, for all of our sakes – there's a win tonight in Stanley connected, Cup Game way, 3. Because for people who don't know, she's a huge fan yes, of the Rangers. Yes, so it's not just huge. And when we do these podcasts, she's the first one to listen and comment. So we would be remiss if we didn't give her a little shout-out and uh, send our very best to her and, and hope for another Absolutely. speedy recovery. Um, so get well soon, Breezy, and we hope to see you soon. And uh, hopefully you're getting a chance to go to the uh, Games 3 and Games 4 at the Garden. But um, – it, it would, you know, one of my best friends called me heading into the third period, the second intermission, when, when the Rangers were up 4 2. And we both, we were still not confident. And I said to him on the phone, we need five in order to win this game. That was what I felt in my gut. We need a fifth goal. And he agreed with me. As it turns out, I was right. <laughs> but uh, we were just so. I don't know how I spun it back to the Rangers, but it's just – this is the team, the one team that I lose sleep on. Like if they lose a big yep. game, I, I can't sleep. And you, you aren't even stateside. Oh my so please tell that story, and that's how we'll wrap this one up because you have to hear Doug's story on well, how, how he watched this game. Well, so go I'm ahead in, hit it. I'm in – I was lucky enough to go to France, and I was at Normandy for the 70th anniversary of D-Day, and it was a – Great trip, learning a lot about you know the veterans and and those of, that are still alive. I was able to meet a few of them, and uh, it was a terrific trip. But you know, part of of my uh, anxiousness going into the trip was that I was going to miss games one and two of the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals because that's the way I think, and this is what I do for a living. And uh, so the first game went in overtime, and so uh, the time difference in France is, is is six hours. So the first game went until five. 30 in the morning, but I didn't have the flight, a flight the next day. So I was able to, as the sun was rising over Normandy beach, I went to sleep. I put a little eye mask on so that I, I totally forgot that the sun was up as I was trying to fall asleep. <laughs> and I slept till like two in the afternoon local time. So that was okay. But game two, game two, uh, I, I had the flight the next day, the flight, I had to leave for the airport at 11. Uh, game two went till 5.50 in the morning there, something around then. I had a few things to take care of packing-wise. Right as the game ended, I had to charge a few of the electronic (laughs) accessories as you, you know, with the adapters and such. It's Uh a very big process when you're overseas. I went to bed. Sun is fully up over the water and uh, went to sleep, and and I rolled around. I'm telling you, I was so angry. The, The Rangers have not been losing for one second. And I'm trying to fall asleep. I got a flight to leave for at 11. It is it, – I watched the clock go to 7.45 that morning. I mean, people are walking. There are people talking outside. It's time for breakfast. And I, I have not fallen asleep yet. I ended up getting an hour and a half. And it wasn't just that I was going to sleep that early in the morning. It was also that I was just so upset 
Try try going to bed right after a range of loss. You can't. No, but if you're in the states, you can live with that because it's like, oh, I mean, it's not that. Late I'm up yet. for at least two hours watching oh Netflix. God. I'm Netflixing something. You're like sweaty. You're, yeah. you're tired because you've been. Your standing. heart is still yeah. beating out Doc of your Emmerich chest. Doc Emmerich is just beating through <laughs> your head. Yeah. This one. Yeah, it's terrible. So, <laughs> as great of a trip as it was, I am not complaining at all. I I just. And wanted to tell that story. Well, see, that's the reason the Rangers have lost the first two games. Doug Williams was not stateside. I'm back stateside, baby. So now we'll... I'm bringing Lady Luck with me. Yes. Games three and four at the Garden. We hold serve. As AV said, we get back in this series and all the naysayers, we put the uh, put a muzzle on them. Hopefully, or else I'm going to look like a complete and utter fool. But by the way, I want to that's happened before. So I, my performance on the pitching staff guessing game, I, I'm disappointed. Oh, will you stop? I'm disappointed. I, I, I should have. I performed. The jet lag <laughs> is a little. Is getting to me a little. We bit. had a little fun. Yeah, we, we did. had a little fun. All right, for Doug Williams, I'm Chris here, and we hope you liked this one. We did uh, doing it, so we hope you liked it as well. Don't forget, you can get the Chris Sheeran Show hashtag CSS. On uh, iTunes, you could download it for free, and you could also go to yesnetwork.com. Uh, Doug and I appreciate you uh, clicking over and listening to it and subscribing to it as well uh, because we enjoy doing it as much as you enjoy listening to it. Until the next time, it's Chris Sheeran and Doug Williams saying, see ya.